Section 1 of The Elements of Botany. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Amy Graymore. The Elements of Botany by William Ruskinberger. Lesson 1. Botany. Definition of Plants. Structure of Plants. Nomenclature of Organs. Botany, formed from the Greek word botane, a plant, is that division of natural history which treats of vegetables. The science of botany is divided into three branches, namely, the anatomy of plants, vegetable physiology, and descriptive botany, which last comprises the classification of plants and their special history. Botany, therefore, does not consist, as is commonly imagined by the ignorant, in merely getting by heart a great number of names of plants and of being able to apply their names to the objects to which they belong. But in a knowledge of the plants themselves, of their organization, their growth, their manner of living, their properties, and the relations they bear to each other, as well as the characters by which they are distinguished from each other. Definition of Plants Plants are beings organized for living, but they are not endowed, like animals, with the faculties of sensation and of performing voluntary motion. Like animals, these beings are readily distinguished from inorganic bodies by their mode of structure, by their nutritive function, through the means of which their substance is renewed and augmented by their origin and by the limited duration of their existence. They differ from animals not only in being destitute of the functions of relation, but also in many other respects. Almost all vegetables live fixed in the soil. They absorb, from without, nutritive matters, which they assimilate, without previously digesting them, and they have nothing which resembles a stomach. By the act of respiration, they possess themselves of the carbonic acid of the air, and exhale oxygen. We have said that vegetables are destitute of the faculty of sensation, and the faculty of performing voluntary motion. This is very evident in an immense majority of instances. But there are some plants which, at first sight, seem to form an exception to this rule. For example, the branches and leaves of all plants are directed to that side from which come the light and air. Certain plants on the approach of night, or the morning dawn, close their leaves or flowers, and there are some that contract themselves in this manner when they are touched by any foreign body. The small shrub, called the sensitive plant, exhibits this phenomenon in a very remarkable manner, and a plant of certain Carolina marshes, Venus flytrap, Dionea muscapula, performs these motions most singularly. The leaves which are formed of two lobes are so irritable that they close on the slightest touch. When an insect alights upon the internal face of one of them, the two lobes immediately approximate each other, and the animal caught upon the thorns with which these lobes are armed dies in this species of natural snare. The rosales, the white flowers of which often deck the pools in France, are somewhat analogous, for the hairs which fringe their broad round leaves lie down the moment they are irritated by the contact of a foreign body. But these phenomena differ essentially from the voluntary movements of animals. There is no proof that the plants we have just mentioned experience sensations, nor that the motions performed by them are directed by will. Sometimes these movements result from the action of heat or humidity upon certain parts of their tissues, and at other times 
they can only be compared to the automatic movements which are readily brought about by means of electricity or galvanism in animals that have been recently killed and deprived of the functions of relation of the structure of plants in general although plants differ very widely from each other in their external forms they closely resemble each other in the materials of which their organs are composed if we examine the internal structure of plants by the aid of a microscope we find they consist entirely of cellular tissue alone or at most of cellular tissue united to vessels plants that are composed entirely of cellular tissue are called cellular plants and those formed of cellular tissue and vessels are named vascular plants of cellular tissue the cellular or utricular tissue of vegetables consists of a multitude of vesicles minute cells filled with a liquid or other substance sometimes these little bladders are rounded and loosely attached to each other but in general they are so strongly pressed against each other that they are flattened at the points where they touch and take the form of polygons from the greek polis many and gone sides at the same time their union becomes so intimate that it is difficult to separate them and the cells formed by their cavities seem to be separated only by simple partitions as cavities would be if hollowed out of a continuous or solid mass like the cells of a honeycomb for example the form of these cells varies very much sometimes they are spherical or octagonal at other times flat or very much elongated and tapered at their extremities like spindles in the latter case they are often designated under the name of clostres their surface frequently presents rays or points which resemble pores but in reality these vesicles are completely closed and are without openings or orifices their parietes are naturally transparent and almost colorless but ordinarily these cells contain granules which are deposited on their internal surface and when these corpuscles little bodies are green brown red etc their parietes appear to be colored in the same manner the color of different parts of plants depends upon this circumstance the cellules little cells of the cellular tissue often have between them empty spaces of more or less extent called intracellular metis or intracellular pores or passages these cavities which are of a regular form are very important as we shall see in the sequel of vessels the vessels of plants are generally cylindrical tubes which somewhat resemble excessively elongated cells they differ very much in their structure and they are divided into tracheae false tracheae punctuated or dotted vessels maniliform vessels reticular vessels mixed vessels and proper vessels tracheae we give the name of tracheae to tubes which closely resemble the tracheae of insects for like them they are formed of a thread spirally folded this thread which is silvery white is very elastic and easily unrolled and if we carefully break a leaf of a rose tree or dogwood for example we find the two fragments united to each other by filaments similar to spider's web which are in fact the unrolled tracheae sometimes instead of being formed of a single spiral thread these vessels are composed of two or three parallel threads rolled together their length is in general very considerable and it seems that they terminate in a point at each extremity 
They do not branch or ramify like blood vessels in animals, and ordinarily they are united in bundles. The false tracheae, which are also called annular or radiated vessels, are unramified tubes, marked by transverse parallel rays. When the rays are very close together, these vessels resemble tracheae very much, but they are not elastic and cannot be unrolled. The punctuated or dotted vessels are cylindrical tubes like the preceding, but their parietes are dotted with small opaque points arranged in parallel or oblique series. They were formerly called porous vessels because it was believed that these dots were holes, but we are now assured that they are not pores. The reticular vessels are cylindrical tubes, the surface of which, being covered by oblong transverse spots, gives them the appearance of a net. The mixed vessels are tubes which at different points in their length seem to possess alternately the characters of the three kinds of vessels we have just mentioned. The manila form, or bead-like vessels, are punctuated tubes which ramify and are contracted or strangulated at different points. Many botanists suppose they consist of series of cells attached to each other end to end. The proper vessels are cavities which are sometimes in the form of short, blunt tubes, and sometimes they are elongated very much. They enclose the particular juices of the various species of plants. Finally, the vessels of the latex are ramified canals, which may be considered as a sort of proper vessels. According to some botanists, they are lined by a proper membrane, but according to other observers, they have no lateral parietes and are merely intercellular passages, or metis, of the compound constituent parts of organs. The elementary parts of plants we have just mentioned constitute, either alone or by their union, the tissues and the different organs, which in their turn concur in the formation of the various apparatuses constituating the body of these beings. Such are the fibers, the epidermis, the hairs, the glands, etc. Fibers, the fibers which are often found in the different parts of plants, but chiefly in the stems, are not composed of a peculiar tissue, but are formed of vessels united in bundles, intermingled with elostras, or elongated cells. Among these vessels we sometimes find tracheae, but most of them are punctuated vessels. The filaments thus formed are arranged parallelly, and joined together by a more or less loose cellular tissue. It is therefore much easier to separate them lengthwise than transversely. Epidermis, from the Greek epi, upon, and derma, skin. The epidermis, or cuticle, is a thin membrane which covers the external surface of plants. It is especially distinct in the young stems, the leaves and roots. It is composed of cellular tissue, the cells of which adhere more strongly to each other than to the subjacent parts, and for this reason it is, in general, easily raised up. We often remark in it little openings called stomata, from the Greek stoma, mouth, which are not visible without the assistance of a magnifying glass. The edges of these pores are formed by two oval or globular cells, filled with green globules, and their opening corresponds with the intercellular vacuities or lacunae, the uses of which appear to be very important in the respiration of plants. No stomata are found upon the roots. Many cellular plants, such as mushrooms and mosses, are altogether without them, and they are also wanting in certain plants that live in water. The hairs of plants are external appendages, 
formed of elongated and projecting cellules. Sometimes they are simple, that is, composed of a single cell. Sometimes they are partitioned, that is, formed of several cells arranged in a row, end to end, and at other times they are more or less branching. Sometimes they lie upon glands, and serve as an excretory canal to the caustic juices secreted by these organs. Hairs vary extremely in length, density, rigidity, and other particulars. On this account they have received the following names. Down or pubescence, when they form a short, soft layer which only partially covers the cuticle or epidermis. Hairiness, hirsutus, when they are rather longer and more rigid. Pilosity, pilosis, when they are long, soft, and erect. Velocity, velosus, when they are very long, very soft, erect, and straight. Crini, crinitis, are this variety in excess. Velvet, velutinus, when they are short, very dense and soft, but rather rigid, and forming a surface like velvet. Ciliae, eyelashes, ciliatus, when long and forming a fringe to the margin like an eyelash. Bristles, setae, setosis, when short and stiff. Stings, stimuli, stimulans, when stiff and pungent, giving out an acrid juice if touched, as in the nettle. Glandular hairs, pili capitati, when they are tipped with a glandular exudation. Hooks, hami, unci, rostella, when curved back at the point. Barbs, glochis, glochidatis, if forked at the apex, both divisions of the fork being hooked. Scurf consists of thin, flat, membranous discs with a ragged margin, formed of cellular tissue, springing from the epidermis. It may be considered as a modification of hairs, for it differs from those bodies only in being more compound. Prickles are conical hairs of large size, sharp-pointed, and having their tissue very hard. They differ from thorns in being fixed to the bark. The thorn is fixed to the wood. Glands. We give the name of glands to those organs which are destined for the secretion of particular liquids. They are found in almost all parts of plants. They are small cavities, sometimes formed of cellular tissue only, and sometimes of very little cells mingled with a great number of vessels. In other respects they do not appear to differ essentially from the tubiform reservoirs we have already mentioned under the name of proper vessels. Classification of the Organs and Functions of Vegetables The functions of vegetables are referred to two classes. One belongs to the individual life of the vegetable, that is, the functions which affect its nutrition. The other refers to its multiplication, or the preservation of the species. The parts of the plants that serve the functions of nutrition are the roots, the stem, and the leaves. The parts which are especially designed to secure the multiplication of plants are the organs of fructification, namely the flowers and fruits. End of Lesson 1